0: Welcome and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Vice President of Site Engagement with the Society. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and learn more about our community. Today, we have Queen Ohanjo, PhD, MSCR, who is the founder of Proof Clinical Research and a strong site and patient advocate. Queen is here to discuss with us emerging technology and how we can use that technology to better enable patient engagement. Queen, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, we'd love to hear a little bit about you and your background.
1: Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Um, So I am Queen O'Hanjo and I am a biomedical scientist and also a clinical researcher. I have been in the industry for about 10 years, having worked with um, biofarmers and recently decided that I wanted to um, focus on site engagement and patient advocacy. Um, Besides that, Um, I have a very strong passion for uh, philanthropy, and in the scientific world, it's often difficult to merge the two, so um, I founded Proof Clinical Research initially to be a consulting site who manages clinical trials, but then I found that there was a gap and a much problematic gap that needed to be filled, which was who is going to voice for the patients and also advocate for the sites. So I decided to do a pivot where I can um, begin to combine my philanthropic efforts with my background in biomedical science and clinical research to build and continue to voice for sites. What I do, so currently I am focused on building a strong patient engagement network where we work with patient in-house, so virtually, and we try to help them manage some of the pain points that is preventing them from being um, participating or included in clinical trials. And at the same time, we're working with smaller sites and helping them advocate what their concerns are, and maybe that can be mitigated on a global scale, which is what I love about SCRS and why I am part of the SCRS
0: network. Thank you, Queen. Those are all wonderful and noble pursuits. Uh, so we applaud your efforts and thank you for all that you do on behalf of sites and patients. But I want to get into our questions here today and, and talk a little bit about operational efficiencies. They're really a key opportunity for improvement in the way that we do clinical research at the site level for our patients. So talk to us a little bit about the types of operational efficiencies that you've experienced when you've been advocating for our patients and sites, and and maybe talk a little bit about what technologies might have been involved in those efficiencies.
1: So when we think about operational efficiencies, we're thinking about Initial concepts from the evaluation of the clinical trial itself, the design, up until trial opening and enrollment, and then sustaining that trials. Um, Operational efficiencies in today's world is very tech oriented. So we have platforms that are focused on patient engagement. We have platforms that are focused on data management, clinical operations, and advanced data analytics, which is the post clinical trial phase of things. But we, um, so for example, when we're talking about patient engagement, we might have patient engagement um, platforms. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head right now, but when I'm talking about patient, I'm talking about surveys, right? Transcelerate, that's what I was thinking of. So, so Transcelerate is a beautiful platform and is really designed to um, gather inpatient surveys from the inception of the clinical trial. Um, but that is a different tech, right? And then we also have data management. So MediData um, is one that I really love. Brave um, is another, um, MediData Brave is one that I really love. Um, and, that is more focused on data management and clinical operations. And we also then post side of things, maybe you can have um, Infosario, which is what Quintiles used to use, um, and managing all that. But it's all in silos. Um, So when we think about operational efficiencies, the feedback that we're getting from sites and from patients is that it's too much to handle. And when it becomes too much to handle, it becomes inundating. And obviously, that would affect how we continue to share clinical trials within our organizational sites, but to also continue to sustain our patients' interest in clinical trials, and they don't just give up and walk away or become uh, what we call a no-show.
0: Excellent, Queen. There's a lot to tease out there and some really useful operational, again, efficiencies, if we'll continue to use that term and and what we can do. But how has that then impacted the site and patient experience specifically?
1: Okay, um, that's a good one. I'm going to start from the latter, which is patient experience. Well. The, when you talk about patient experience, we're talking about clinical trials in today's world. In the past, patients obviously go to the clinical trials and they now have um, site um, study coordinators or site staff help manage them within those clinical trials. But in today's world, we are seeing that clinical trials is becoming more virtually managed or remotely managed, and that is, you know, industry-wide. So... Um, patients have a tendency or a short attention span when it comes to things that they don't understand. They want it to be broken down for them. So when we talk about operational efficiencies, we want to make sure that we are really focused on the patient-facing interface of that technology and how the patient is being is using it and how the patient is understanding it and how they can continue to um, procure interest in clinical trials. Um, so that's one right there, and that is a big one because if you're bringing clinical trials into, into homes of patients, or if you're doing a hybrid, you want to make sure that those patients really love what they how how that interface is managing, or how is how is um, how they are experiencing it. But at, on the other side of thing, on the site level, you will see that the study coordinators will have um, a better grasp or a better grab on their patients, right? So it will not be a cat and a mouse chase. It will mostly be a symbiotic relationship where they can now see what the pain points of the patient is and then they can quickly jump on that or escalate it upwards, whatever the pathway is. I hope that answers the question.
0: It does. Yes, absolutely. And I think that last point there about the symbiosis, right, that that mutually beneficial and positive relationship between the patient and the site is really cruxical to the issue and what a lot of sites strive for and uh, for and on behalf of our patients. So I appreciate you mentioning that point. I want to talk a little bit about diversity in clinical trials. And when utilized appropriately, we've really come to the conclusion as an industry that technology can be really valuable and instrumental in accessing and managing the diverse patient population and making sure that diverse, equitous, and inclusive clinical trials are enabled. But there's still a lot of lessons that we know can be learned on how to better serve sites and patients in that inclusive manner. What else should sites consider for better patient cultural awareness? Um,
1: That's a big one. Thanks, Jimmy. That's a very big one. But it is a very simple one, too, because we have that data. We have the demographic data of all patients that are involved in clinical trials. Um, So we can begin to customize or we can can begin to use those data points to... Customize those technology, those interfaces. So that's one, right? If the data is already in house, use it. Look at it. Have people interpret it. Um, make make it make sense, right? So, for example, when I say data, I'm thinking about okay. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about age group. Let's talk about um, um, geographical zip codes, right? When when you when you have clinical trial. Participants interested and you gather that data from them, make sure that it's, con- it's it, it, there's a feedback loop in the technological design. Because if we don't, if we miss that, then it becomes um disinteresting for the patient that is outside of that interface or that scope, right? But if we don't have that data and we want to bring forth new data or get more participants to be interested. Hence, that becomes more inclusive, more robust, more diverse, right? If we want to attract more patients to be interested in clinical, so we can be able to um, you know understand and interpret and do research on all these medicinal products or compounds that we're bringing forth to the market then we have to just say that we have to make sure that we customize our uh, marketing right and the marketing side of it again is all technology so when um, when i say marketing i'm thinking let's get away from advertisement on buses and let's bring it into bring it into the tech side. I'm not a techie, but I'm just trying to merge the two. Bring it into the tech side, but make sure that we are um, reaching out to a more diverse population. Interestingly, I find that when you include clinical trials and how it pertains to a specific group of patients and let's say music, right? In in a music streaming playlist or something like that in YouTube, something fancy. Interestingly, that actually captures attention because then it's more personal, it's personalized. So those are the kind of relationship that we need to start um being open to so it's not just you know the stoic and archaic way of reaching out to population there's a new and more advanced way of doing that now but then we have to keep it simple and know that when it becomes complicated then it gets turned off as well
0: There's a couple of really great points I wanted to reemphasize for our listeners there, Queen. The first one you brought up towards the beginning of your answer there, and that's that feedback loop for patients, getting them the data and the information and constantly making sure that they not only get the information about their participation in the clinical trial, but what we think is also very important is that we listen to the patient and we hear what their needs are and and what they're trying to communicate back to us. additionally that that last point that you made there about leveraging again like we discussed a little bit technology uh to enable those patients to be better served on our clinical trials like you said let's let's use that tech let's use our solutions that we have available to us and and use them in a way that's patient-centric and patient focused so I, I really appreciate those points All right yeah that's right Let's talk now a little bit about clinical trial design and how it can be more inclusive for diverse patients. How, how can we do that and provide then successful trial outcomes? Again, focusing on clinical trial design.
1: Okay. Um, now, when, with this topic, I I had to think about what we learned you know, in school or what we learned in the field, right? We know there is specific examples of clinical trial design that is used um, as a template. And we all share it across the board because that's just the foundation of what clinical trials is, you know, three plus three design or whatever design that may be. But we are see we have again, it goes back to the data. We now have the data that that is not really working out too well, right? We we should, our industry, I love our industry so much, but we should be more advanced, right? So this is where we leverage technology and we leverage the new um, ways of thinking. So for me, I would say um, in the design, let's begin to include data from um, maybe... um, genetical data, we we have that there, it's out there. It's just a matter of negotiating or um, bringing those groups in, including them in the conversation now. Um, So that's just one thing that I can think of right now, because once we begin to flesh that, the genetic information that is already out there, um, we can then begin to customize Clinical trials based on subgroups of people, because that's just what it is. We are people all over the world of different ethnic backgrounds and different um, genetic design and makeup. However, we can group We can be groups based on our geographical area or based on what we eat and all of that information is out there. If we begin to include those groups in, and then redesign or personalize the design or keep the existing one, but have an add on in case things begin to pivot.
0: It's a really interesting point that you make uh, and, and one that we've talked about and teased a little bit in the industry for a long time now around customization of clinical trials and, and using genetic medicine right, to help us identify the best path for a patient and whether or not a clinical trial would be valuable for them, but then also the outcomes for those clinical trials, too, based on that genetic information. And it's a point you made earlier around how valuable and important the data, the plethora of data that we're able to access as an industry and using that to better reinforce our clinical trials and our clinical trial design. So I really appreciate you making that point and, and bringing up that emphasis. Thank you. As we begin to conclude here, Queen, I, I'll ask you our final question, and it's it's an important one, but what can our industry partners and sites do now to start to make some of these changes that you mentioned uh, at their organization or then in our clinical trials as it relates to our industry partners?
1: Oh, I, I think we're already doing it. Um, I mean, the fact that I'm here, um, I'm so... I'm so proud of us as a site network, right? SCRS is one of the umbrellas, um, ACRP is another one, but I'm so proud of the the tenureship of SCRS. So I think we're already doing that. Um, and the next step now is to begin to action those um, conversations, right? Um, I don't know if an initiative is another one. I don't know if it has to be on a site level where we begin to action it out on a site level. And then that says to our industry partners, hey, look, listen, we're really serious about this way of doing clinical research and I want you all to follow us. So maybe the site has to lead at this point, and then pharmaceuticals and uh, industry partners, whether it's private or commercial will then follow suit because for a long time um, we've been following, right? And we've gotten here, but maybe the botan has to um, pass and change hands so that the relay can continue. I don't know. That's my
0: little comment there. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's an excellent comment and a really valuable perspective that it doesn't just take one side of their relationship and it shouldn't be a waiting game for one person. Partner or the other to try to initiate the change. We should all be striving towards change as an industry. Sites sure. and sponsors and CROs uh, and our other even professional service provider, our vendor partners, should also be all working together um, to to drive to try to drive these changes in the capacity in which they're capable of doing. Because as you had sh- have really made the strong point so eloquently throughout our conversation here. It's a big lift and there is no one individual or one side of the coin, let's say, that is primarily responsible for that change. It really does take all of us to make those changes and no one particular side. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Well, Queen, I think that's a really great place for us to conclude our conversation here. So I want to thank you for being with us. It's an honor to have you on our podcast. Uh, So thank you again. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of the year. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. For everyone listening, make sure that you register for our upcoming summits being held throughout the year by visiting the summit page on our website. Our Oncology and Diversity Summits will be taking place March 30th through April 1st down in Austin, Texas. While you're on our website, be sure to also check out other SCRS publications for the community in the publication section of myscrs.org. And don't forget to look up Queen using her social media as well as her organizations. I appreciate everyone's participation in today's program and look forward to having you tune in for more great content. Thanks for listening.